of Spain For we've received orders to settle our old England But we hope in a short time to see you again How's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode 54 of the Easy Peasy Podcast. Now, obviously, a slightly different intro on this one. You know, I've been I've been watching a lot of movies, it seems, lately with a nautical theme. You know, a few of note would be Master and Commander. Uh, I watched uh, Hunt for Red October. What else was there? Oh, uh, The Perfect Storm. You know, and I I just keep kind of craving these stories of a crew of men on a boat in the open ocean risking life and limb for you know glory and treasure braving the elements and and battling enemies you know the the chaos and order of the sea the the hierarchy of the boat which is always a tenuous structure at best in which, you know, if trust in the captain fails, a mutiny is never out of the question. And these, these stories of, you know, sailors and smugglers and pirates and fishermen and how oftentimes, uh, you know, they might be the same person. Just on different sides of the law at different times, right? You know, I watched a documentary today called Square Grouper on on Hulu. And for anyone who doesn't know, a square grouper was slang for a bale of cannabis thrown into the Gulf of Mexico off a boat or an airplane and picked up I should say not the Gulf but right at the right at the tip right at the Everglades you know, it's a really interesting documentary I, I recommend you watch it but it talks about how this this fishing village you know Everglades City how it basically um, went from being your typical sort of blue-collar fishing town to the epicenter of drug smuggling, particularly cannabis, which I, you know, I'd rather call an herb than a drug, but that's neither here nor there. But these, these fishermen, 
you know, when, when the National Park was established, Everglades National Park, you know, I guess the story goes that there were there were permits handed out to the fishermen so they might continue their livelihood, but that these permits over time began to expire and and people were losing their livelihood to to increased regulation of the of the of the territory of the ecosystem you know and and when they couldn't fish any longer they sought other means of making a living and you know the the easiest and simplest solution was to smuggle in drugs right cannabis is good money good business as long as you don't get caught it just makes me think, you know, the difference between a sailor and a pirate is usually just a matter of, you know, a, uh, a certain legal framework. You know, a person could be a sailor one day and, and a pirate the next, or a pirate one day and a, and a privateer the next. You know, you might start as a Navy man and end up as a pirate and then the the government in which used to employ you now hires you as a mercenary. You know, this is what happened during the English-Spanish War. You know, shortly after the United States was founded, there was this, this battle on the open ocean. An ongoing warfare of wooden ships and iron men, as, as, as it's said sometimes. You know, and, and these, these seamen, these, these able seamen, as they were called, and I'm not trying to be cheeky or funny by, by saying that word, but these sailors, they were some of the hardest men ever to walk the earth or ride the waves. You know, grit in the gut and they, they, they were not to be trifled with, neither, neither by a rival boat or by the crew members on their own boat. You know, this, this, this balance of power and this voluntary submission to hierarchy to a point, right? As I mentioned, the, the possibility of mutiny, it was just as real on a Navy vessel as it was on a pirate vessel. I imagine, you know, perhaps the Navy had more structures in place, but that didn't mean that the crew wouldn't, wouldn't reach their limit if they found that their captain wasn't worthy of command because it was a matter of survival. You know, I, I don't know why my fascination for this sort of, uh, character this this sailor this salty dog you know it seems like this this interest is just kind of coming up now the truth is i have you know at least tales of a of a pretty salty dog in my in my in my ancestry we'll say now given that i'm caucasian and i live in the united states it's it's a pretty good bet that some of my ancestors came here as immigrants on a boat, but that's not the same as being a, being a, you know, able seaman, a sailor. 
you know, but my great, great uncle, whose name I honestly can't remember, you know, I should probably, I should probably ask my father for that name, but he had a tugboat and he had a dive setup. You know, this is before scuba. This is, this is the heavy you know, brass dive helmet with an air compressor at the, you know, on the tugboat and a, and a hose going all the way down. And what he would do is he would, he would find shipwrecks and he would salvage timbers and he would inflate big rubber balloons to, to float these massive beams up to the surface. These these oak logs from sunken vessels of yesteryear. You know, I believe he did most of his work in, you know, I want to say like the 20s and 30s. And most of these shipwrecks were from the 1850s, 1870s, you know, if not earlier. And I have this, you know, coffee table, you might call it, that was handed to, you know, handed down to me. My uncle used to have it, then my cousin, then my sister, and now me. Now, I'm not going to give it up until I have you know, someone who I'd, I figure is worth it to give it to in the family. But this is an heirloom, and it weighs about 250 pounds. You know, it's about a 18-inch by 36-inch coffee table made out of massive, heavy, six-by-six oak beams that you can tell spent a significant amount of time under deep, cold, high-pressure water, right? And it's got a lacquer on it, which I, I really ought to probably redo, make sure I can keep that thing nice. But this this coffee table has anchor chains for legs you know welded stiff and I'm telling you it weighs more than more than your average bear moving this from place to place is no small task takes at least two people but it is the coolest thing I own it's been in my family for at least well, we'll say nearly a hundred years. And it was crafted by an ancestor of mine. So, I like to ponder what his life might have been like out there on the tugboat in the Great Lakes, you know, facing extreme weather events without any warning from any weather agency, you know, trusting his own instincts and intuition. And, and reading of the sky and and he was essentially in my mind a treasure hunter now his treasure was not gold and silver it was oak you know pressed preserved you know by the depths of the water these logs that he could then turn into things he's built bars you know my folks went and visited this bar up in Michigan that my great-great-uncle built. I mean, how cool is that? And 
I imagine that these people, you know, it, it was, it was a choice to live this life. You know, there were easier ways to make money. You know, plenty of people would rather, you know, sell the fish than catch the fish, right? But there's a certain, a certain type that won't be satisfied unless they're out on the water. You know, looking Mother Nature dead in the eye. Experiencing each day as it comes. With a mission. With a, with a, with a treasure to be had. You know, a bounty, a booty. There was no questioning the motives. It's money, money, money. But at the same time, there's probably something more to it. These sailor songs that, that get sung, they often talk about the, the mystery of the sea, right? Now, of course, a tugboat on the Great Lakes ain't the same as a fishing boat in the uh, you know North Atlantic. But it's not that far off. You know, I think about the, the song, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald by Gordon Lightfoot. What a song, you know. It, it totally is in this vein of, of a, a sea shanty, you know, a, a sailor's song. You know, a story of a shipwreck and all the, all the souls lost. And it's funny to me to think that you know, maybe this is just Hollywood playing tricks on me, but it seems that it didn't matter if you if you sailed for the for the English Navy or if you were a fisherman in Cape Cod. These songs. You know, it didn't matter if you were an outlaw or a lawman on the ocean. It seems like they all sang the same songs you know, about lost love and, and tragedy and death and, and the ocean you know, and, and legendary storms and you know tales of captains who went down with the ship and all these all these old sailor songs you know, I've been kind of like listening to some of them it reminds me of, you know, cowboy poetry, except cowboy poetry was usually humor-based, whereas these songs are often more sorrowful than funny, although there's elements of comedy there, too. And, and with the cowboy poetry and cowboy songs, there's always that element of sorrow and loneliness as well, Right? You know, and it, it makes you wonder sort of why someone would go from a sailor to a pirate or from a fisherman to a smuggler, right? Well, what's the difference, you know, between a distiller and a moonshiner? Usually it's a matter of a law that gets written. You know, a a product that becomes illegal, uh, an activity that is no longer allowed. You know, perhaps it's a tax that needs to be paid. Perhaps, you know, it's, it's a matter of men doing a 
cost-benefit analysis. And I don't mean to exclude women here, to be frank. I know there were, there were women pirates, right? There probably weren't a lot of women in the Navy until, until recent history, but I know that there were, there were female captains of pirate ships. That's true. At least one of note. You know, sort of the Joan of Arc of pirate lore. These were real people. And I'm sure their their stories get embellished, but the funny thing about pirates and smugglers is they're free from the constraints of, say, the Navy or the fishing fleet. You know, they, they, they make their own rules. They they break the rules. They make a calculated risk. I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying it is what it is. And it still goes on to this day. You know, the recognition of open waters as being sort of, uh, you know, out of the jurisdiction of any government, but still being under maritime law. No rulers, but there are rules, right? And each vessel is, you know, it's either a private vessel or it's essentially, you know, they almost view a, a vessel of the Navy as being being sort of land belonging to the, the nation of origin. But the reality, and any sailor knows this, is that once you're out there, you are at the mercy of the ocean, and not much else matters. You know, loyalties only go so far on a boat out at sea. Now, obviously, times change, and things get safer, and, you know, we we have the Coast Guard and the U.S. Navy, which basically patrol every square inch of waterway, but even still this element of, of anarchy is at play in the oceans and always has been. It's a meritocracy. You know, I'd like to think that there's not many captains of ships that don't deserve that title. If they don't deserve it, they don't hold it for long. You know, all these, all these things, I'm just, you know, kind of pondering. It's not as if this is earth-shattering shit. But again, you know, it's, it's interesting to think that a moonshiner is not a, not a criminal without a government agency saying so. You know, a smuggler is only a smuggler because there are products that, that, are, that fall under prohibition. You know, the drug runner from the Caribbean or from Cuba or what have you is no different than the, the bootlegger from Kentucky. So, you know, I it's not as if I'm telling y'all to become outlaws. It's just something something to note. And it's interesting how we often romanticize the criminal. You know, that's not exactly what I'm trying to do here. But think about how we how we glorify pirates, right? Even though they were probably some of the most ruthless killers 
on planet Earth. You know, willing to slaughter dozens or hundreds of men for the sake of gold and, and riches. You know, and no, no pleasant death either. And I believe it's a common belief, right, in, in sailor lore that if you die at sea, you know, and you don't get a proper sort of burial rite, if you have to be buried at sea, that you're, you're not worthy of, of, of going to heaven. You know, I, I read something of that nature. So it's almost as if this, this is a, a choice to risk eternal damnation for the sake of a quick buck. You know, and some, some adventure, some glory. That's, that's pretty wild to think that a certain type of person is willing to make that trade or at least risk it. But these, these songs of, you know, longing for home and longing for, for lovers and, you know, it, you can always kind of hear this, this somber undercurrent of maybe this isn't worth it. Yet I keep going out. You know, the sea keeps bringing me back. You know, I think there's something about these types of people. The way they talk, the way they interact with one another. You know, the, 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 the respect shared or lost or, you know, it's, it's an interesting culture you know, the seafaring people. Often, often they work hard and they play harder. You know, it's, it's no life for the faint of heart. You know, and I, I, I see some, some sort of parallels between being sort of the, you know, the nomad or the the land pirate in a sense, sort of by by living not necessarily in direct opposition to the mainstream, but by by seeking out alternative lifestyles and and trying to uh I don't know, seek out the treasure of an authentic life. Know, the adventure that can be had if we're willing to just take that risk. You know, we don't have to become a criminal to sort of <laughs> have the outlaw attitude. I respect the attitude. Now, as I said, you might be a fisherman, you might be a sailor, you might be on the right side of the law. And then one day you're not. I'm sure not all sailors would have the have the ability or the impetus to to switch, but a certain number of them do or did. Makes me wonder, sort of, how many ex-military guys might be might be smugglers, you know, using these skills that they that they learned. It's no different than it was a couple hundred years ago. Makes me think of this uh, this Jimmy Buffett song. I'm gonna have to look up the lyrics, but 
give me just give me just a moment here. Okay, so I looked it up. The song I'm thinking of, it's called A Pirate Looks at 40. Now, you'd probably recognize the tune if you heard it. It's not one of Jimmy Buffett's biggest hits, but it is a hit. And, you know, I'll just read the lyrics to you if you don't mind, because it, it kind of talks about a lot of what I'm, what I'm saying here. So he says, Mother, Mother, Ocean, I have heard your call. Wanted to sail upon your waters since I was three feet tall. You've seen it all. You've seen it all. Watch the men who rode you switch from sails to steam. And in your belly you hold the treasure that a few have ever seen. Most of them dreams. Most of them dreams. Yes, I'm a pirate 200 years too late. The cannons don't thunder there. Nothing to plunder. I'm over I'm I'm an over 40 victim of fate, arriving too late, arriving too late. I've done a bit of smuggling and I've and I've run my share of grass. I've made enough money to buy Miami, but I've pissed it away so fast. Never meant to last. Never meant to last. I've been drunk now for over two weeks. I passed out and I rallied and I sprung a few leaks. But I've got to stop wishing. I I got to stop wishing. Got to go fishing. I'm down to rock bottom again. With just a few friends. With just a few friends. I go for younger women. Lived with several a while. And though I run away, they come back one day, I still could manage a smile. It just takes a while. It just takes a while. Mother, mother ocean, after all these years I've found my occupational hazard being my occupation's just not around. I feel like I've drowned, gone ahead uptown. I feel like I've drowned. My, I mean, what a line there at the end. My occupational hazard being my occupation's just not around. And I think a lot, of, a lot of folks feel as if they were born into this era where they're expected to be like everybody else. There's no, there's no real place for them. You know, they're like a pirate with no ship. They got that attitude, but no way to express it, Right. You know, we're living in this age of high-tech surveillance and you know the risks of being an outlaw are just so high. Used to be like a game of cat and mouse, you know, is what it sounds like. Now it's now it's big brother. So we have to be smart. We can't be outlaws in the traditional sense. We got to be legal outlaws. We got to follow the rules, but but work our way around them when we can, or bend them when we can. You know, I'm a pirate born 200 years late. Golly, you know. Now, if you've never heard that song, I'm not going to play it here, because, you know, in, in, 
in in terms of trying to be smart and not put yourself in trouble copyright laws you know i would play that song if it wasn't for risk of copyright infringement i got to figure that shit out cuz i know some podcasters use music paying royalties i bet you know but i recommend you just pull it up on youtube or whatever and once again that's jimmy buffett singing a pirate looking at 40 or a pirate looks at 40 now i think that's all for tonight you know i i i know this one's a little different you know i'm kind of i'm kind of feeling a change in the winds if we're going to stick to the nautical terminology right i think uh the winds are starting to blow you know, it feels like we've all been adrift for a while. Maybe the winds have not been there. We've lost our speed, our momentum. We're sitting in the water just bobbing about. But I can I can almost smell that breeze coming in. Ready to bring us home, you know. So I think what I'll do now to wrap it up, instead of playing you Jimmy Buffett, is I'll sing you another verse, or maybe a few, of this classic sailor song, Spanish Ladies. Here you go. We'll rant and we'll roar like the true British sailors. We'll rant and we'll roar the salt sea until we take soundings in the channel of old England from Ushant to Scully's 35 leagues now let every man drink off his full bumper and let every man drink off his full glass We'll drink and be jolly in the drowned melancholy And here's to the health of every true-hearted lass
This has been Mike the Polymath with the Easy Peasy Podcast. Come back again.